Section 18 of The Red and the Black, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Madcap. The Red and the Black, Volume 2 by Stendhal. Translated by Horace B. Samuel. Chapter 48 Cruel Moments and she confesses it to me she goes into even the smallest details her beautiful eyes fixed on mine and describes the love which she felt for another schiller the delighted mademoiselle de la mole thought of nothing but the happiness of having been nearly killed she went so far as to say to herself he is worthy of being my master since he was on the point of killing me how many handsome young society men would have to be melted together before they were capable of so passionate a transport? I must admit that he was very handsome at the time when he climbed up on the chair to replace the sword in the same picturesque position in which the decorator hung it. After all, it was not so foolish of me to love him. If at that moment some honourable means of reconciliation had presented itself, she would have embraced it with pleasure. Julien, locked in his room, was a prey to the most violent despair. He thought in his madness of throwing himself at her feet. If instead of hiding himself in an out-of-the-way place, he had wandered about the garden of the hotel, so as to keep within reach of any opportunity, he would perhaps have changed in a single moment his awful unhappiness into the keenest happiness. But the tact for whose lack we are now reproaching him would have been incompatible with that sublime seizure of the sword which at the present time rendered him so handsome in the eyes of mademoiselle de la mole this whim in julien's favour lasted the whole day mathilde conjured up a charming image of the short moments during which she had loved him she regretted them as a matter of fact she said to herself my passion for this poor boy can from his point of view only have lasted from one hour after midnight when I saw him arrive by his ladder, with all the pistols in his coat-pocket, till eight o'clock in the morning. It was a quarter of an hour after that, as I listened to Mass at Saint-Valère, that I began to think that he might very well try to terrify me into obedience. After dinner, Mademoiselle de la Mole, so far from avoiding Julien, spoke to him, and made him promise to follow her into the garden. He obeyed. It was a new experience. Without suspecting it, Mathilde was yielding to the love which she was now feeling for him again. She found an extreme pleasure in walking by his side, and she looked curiously at those hands which had seized the sword to kill her that very morning. After such an action, after all that had taken place, some of the former conversation was out of the question. Mathilde gradually began to talk confidentially to him about the state of her heart. She found a singular pleasure in this kind of conversation. She even went so far as to describe to him the fleeting moments of enthusiasm which she had experienced for Monsieur de Croisenois, for Monsieur de Quelou. "'What? Monsieur de Quelou is well?' exclaimed Julia, and all the jealousy of a discarded lover burst out in those words. Mathilde thought as much, but did not feel at all insulted. She continued torturing Julien 
by describing her former sentiments with the most picturesque detail and the accent of the most intimate truth he saw that she was portraying what she had in her mind's eye he had the pain of noticing that as she spoke she made new discoveries in her own heart the unhappiness of jealousy could not be carried further it is cruel enough to suspect that a rival is loved but there is no doubt that to hear the woman one adores confess in detail the love which rivals inspire is the utmost limit of anguish oh how great a punishment was there now for those impulses of pride which had induced julien to place himself as superior to the Kelu and the Quasnois. How deeply did he feel his own unhappiness as he exaggerated to himself their most petty advantages! With what hearty good faith he despised himself! Mathilde struck him as adorable. All words are weak to express his excessive admiration. As he walked beside her, he looked surreptitiously at her hands, her arms, her queenly bearing. He was so completely overcome by love and unhappiness as to be on the point of falling at her feet and crying, Pity! Yes, and that person who is so beautiful, who is so superior to everything, and who loved me once, will doubtless soon love Monsieur de Caillou. Julien could have no doubts of Mademoiselle de la Mole's sincerity. The accent of truth was only too palpable in everything she said. In order that nothing might be wanting to complete his unhappiness, there were moments when, as a result of thinking about the sentiments which she had once experienced for Monsieur de Caillou, Mathilde came to talk of him, as though she loved him at the present time. She certainly put an inflection of love into her voice. Julien distinguished it clearly. He would have suffered less if his bosom had been filled inside with molten lead plunged as he was in this abyss of unhappiness how could the poor boy have guessed that it was simply because she was talking to him that mademoiselle de la mole found so much pleasure in recalling those weaknesses of love which she had formerly experienced for monsieur de caillou or monsieur de luz words failed to express julien's anguish he listened to these detailed confidences of love she had experienced for others in that very avenue of pines where he had waited so few days ago for one o'clock to strike that he might invade her room no human being can undergo a greater degree of unhappiness this kind of familiar cruelty lasted for eight long days mathilde sometimes seemed to seek opportunities of speaking to him and sometimes not to avoid them and the one topic of conversation to which they both seemed to revert with a kind of cruel pleasure was the description of the sentiments she had felt for others she told him about the letters which she had written she remembered their words she recited whole sentences by heart she seemed during these last days to be envisaging julien with a kind of malicious joy she found a keen enjoyment in his pangs one sees that Julien had no experience of life. He had not even read any novels. If he had been a little less awkward, and he had coolly said to the young girl whom he adored so much, and who had been giving him such strained confidences, Admit that though I am not worth as much as all these gentlemen, 
I am none the less the man whom you loved. She would perhaps have been happy at being thus guessed. At any rate, success would have entirely depended on the grace with which Julien had expressed the idea, and on the moment which he had chosen to do so. In any case, he would have extricated himself well and advantageously from a situation which Mathilde was beginning to find monotonous. "'And you love me no longer, me who adore you,' said Julien to her one day, overcome by love and unhappiness. This piece of folly was perhaps the greatest which he could have committed. These words immediately destroyed all the pleasure which Mademoiselle de la Mole found in talking to him about the state of her heart. She was beginning to be surprised that he did not, after what had happened, take offence at what she told him. She had even gone so far as to imagine, at the very moment when he made that foolish remark, that perhaps he did not love her any more. His pride has doubtless extinguished his love, she was saying to herself. He is not the man to sit still and see people like Kelou, Deleuze, Croisenois, whom he admits are so superior, preferred to him. No, I shall never see him at my feet again. Julien had often, in the naivety of his unhappiness during the previous days, praised sincerely the brilliant qualities of these gentlemen. He would even go so far as to exaggerate them. This nuance had not escaped Mademoiselle de la Mole. She was astonished by it, but did not guess its reason. Julia's frenzied soul, in praising a rival whom he thought was loved, was sympathizing with his happiness. These frank but stupid words changed everything in a single moment. Confident that she was loved, Mathilde despised him utterly. She was walking with him when he made his ill-timed remark. She left him, and her parting look expressed the most awful contempt. She returned to the salon and did not look at him again during the whole evening. This contempt monopolized her mind the following day. The impulse which, during the last week, had made her find so much pleasure in treating Julia as her most intimate friend, was out of the question. The very sight of him was disagreeable. The sensation Mathilde felt reached the point of disgust. Nothing can express the extreme contempt which she experienced when her eyes fell upon him. Julia had understood nothing of the history of Mathilde's heart during the last week, but he distinguished the contempt. He had the good sense only to appear before her on the rarest possible occasions and never look at her. But it was not without a mortal anguish that he, as it were, deprived himself of her presence. He thought he felt his unhappiness increasing still further. The courage of a man's heart cannot be carried further, he said to himself. He passed his life seated at a little window at the top of the hotel. The blind was carefully closed, and from here, at any rate, he could see Mademoiselle de la Mole when she appeared in the garden. What were his emotions when he saw her walking after dinner with Monsieur de Caillou, Monsieur de Luz, or some other for whom she had confessed to him some former amorous weakness? Julien had no idea that unhappiness could be so intense. He was on the point of shouting out. This firm soul was at last completely overwhelmed. 
thinking about anything else except mademoiselle de la mole had become odious to him he became incapable of writing the simplest letters you're mad the marquis said to him julien was frightened that his secret might be guessed talked about illness and succeeded in being believed fortunately for him the marquis rallied him at dinner about his next journey mathilde understood that it might be a very long one it was now several days that julien had avoided her and the brilliant young men who had all that this pale sombre being she had once loved was lacking had no longer the power of drawing her out of her reverie an ordinary girl she said to herself would have sought out the man she preferred among those young people who are the cynosure of a salon but one of the characteristics of genius is not to drive its thoughts over the rut traced by the vulgar why if i were the companion of a man like julien who only lacks the fortune that i possess i should be continually exciting attention i should not pass through life unnoticed far from incessantly fearing a revolution like my cousins who are so frightened of the people that they have not the pluck to scold a postillion who drives them badly i should be certain of playing a role and a great role for the man whom i have chosen has a character and a boundless ambition what does he lack friends money i will give them him but she treated julien in her thought as an inferior being whose love one could win whenever one wanted End of chapter 48 Recording by Madcap in London